Talk to my friend Drew. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As diehard conservative. to this guy for wisdom. Mercy, it was one heck of a day, I gotta tell you. I've had the internet out, uh, on and off, but mostly off, all day long. And, and I gotta tell you, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm working back from a frustrated disposition, but uh, I, I will get it together as a consummate professional to do the show for the second time today. That's the other thing I was gonna tell you. You know, it, it, I'll leave the boring technical details out of it, but... I recorded this entire podcast episode, which the first go around was a little over 50 minutes, only to discover that it did not record. So that's the kind of day I'm having. Uh, But anyway, back to business, back to round due of the Drew Allen Show. This is Drew Allen. Welcome to the Drew Allen Show. Uh, I am the Millennial Minister of Truth, uh, Ultra MAGA, and now a semi-fascist, semi-fascist Drew here, reporting for duty in the very, very free state of California. Not fascistic at all here, right? Oh, br- brother. Uh, well, you know, I just want to lead in with, with a little bit of, you know, a personal anecdote here, because I... I, I'm not going to be staying in California uh, too much longer. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to move out of the state immediately or even next year, but I'm done with the state. Um, I'm giving up on California. And look, I, I am a half glass full kind of guy. I, I, I'm, but I'm, but I just, I don't blow smoke. I'm not. I'm, I don't. I don't try to be optimistic, or, or I guess what I'm trying to say is. You know, I don't ignore reality or deny reality because I just want to be optimistic. You know, you got to you got to be realistic in California. Well, it, it is the Venezuela of the United States of America. And, you know, I opened this the the program with California dreaming. California dreaming. I mean, this state this is the lesson, you know, when you put Democrats or vote for Democrats and put them in control for long enough, they can destroy even even the once most prosperous state in the country. And I I, I don't say that lightly that, that I'm out of here. Sayonara, California. But it's in the best interest of me and my family uh, in the future because what California is doing now it can't be salvaged. And and I'm talking, of course, about how the state has announced that, well, California is going to be banning the sale of new gas-powered vehicles by 2035. By 2035, all new passenger cars and trucks sold in the state have to be electric vehicles. Now, currently, 16% of all new car sales in California are zero emission, which means electric. 
And anyway, by 2026, 35% have to be non-gas powered. That's in two years. So 16% of the new car sales are zero emission now. They're going to double it in just two years. That's, that's the mandate. 68% have to be electric by 2030 and then 100% in, in 2035. And um, I, I got to tell you, you know, I, I, I love the state of California. It is certainly one of the most beautiful states in the country, but it's actually one of the most beautiful places in the entire world. And I say that as someone who has traveled extensively. And my wife is a third generation Californian born in Long Beach. And, you know, I I grew up in Texas, but I came out to California uh, when I was 18 years old. So that was back in uh, 2005. And, and I went to Pepperdine University, Malibu, California. That campus just perched up on a hill overlooking the Pacific Ocean. I mean, you, you, you'd be hard-pressed to find a spot on the Pepperdine campus where you couldn't see the Pacific Ocean. And California is alluring. It's majestic. It's beautiful. And I remember when I was applying for colleges. Um, I remember looking at the, the brochure, if you will, on Inwood at Jesuit Dallas. And just, you know, dreaming of stepping into that picture of of the the image I described to you of that this campus on a hill you know like America used to be a shining light on a hill but but Pepperdine up on the hill overlooking the ocean and anybody who says that 90% of their decision to go to Pepperdine wasn't based on that view is a liar I'll tell you that right now now there were other reasons I went to I I was in I had an acting scholarship actually and Pepperdine was also a Church of Christ school, and I was in the Church of Christ, grew up in the Church of Christ. So I had scholarship money to go there as well. And it was, you know, proximity to Los Angeles, and I wanted to be an actor. So, so you know, all the things kind of aligned to go there. But I, I, I spent, you know, I graduated from Pepperdine University, and then I moved to Manhattan, and I lived in Manhattan, New York, up on the Upper East Side. What a what a change that was. You know, East 62nd between 1st and 2nd Avenue. That That's where my little pre-war apartment was. And from there, I ended up going to Milan, Italy. It's, it's, a, it's an incredible story that I'll share with you another time. It's just, it'll make your head spin. It's mesmerizing because few people have had something like this happen to them. Uh, it's just a, a great story, you know, how I came to, to move to Milan. But anyway, I ended up getting a job working for Marc Jacobs in fashion. And I spoke Italian. And they needed somebody to open up a retail store in, in Milan, Italy. It was, was going to be, it was the first uh, store opening in Italy. And I ended up going to Milan. And I didn't have any retail experience. But I ended up opening the store. Talk about above your pay grade, above your experience level too. 
But anyway, sink or swim, I swam. And so, I, you know, I, I helped open the store. And then I stuck around as a manager for about two and a half years. <clears throat> and that's where I met my wife. Crazy. Now, I did not meet a, a uh, Italian woman. Uh, no Sophia Loren. I met a blonde girl from Long Beach, California, who had gone to Pepperdine University. And I quit and I moved back. She still had one more year at Pepperdine. We'd actually been at school at the same time, but we didn't know each other. I was a senior, I guess, when she was a freshman. But anyway, I met this girl in Milan and and I went back to Los Angeles. And so that was circa, I don't know, 2012. But anyway, and then I lived in in L.A. again. I I acted again. I ended up managing some other retail stores for Marc Jacobs. Uh, I got into screenwriting and then in film production, produced a movie. But I worked in Hollywood there, and I lived all over it. You know, I, I started out in North Hollywood when I moved back. That was not the most beautiful part, certainly. But, you know, I was in West Hollywood. I, I, I then was in Pasadena. My wife and I had a condo over there. And then we eventually moved down to Orange County. And, you know, I, I've traveled extensively in this state, you know. I mean, there's just so much to offer. There, there's so much beauty. I mean, yes, the, the beaches in Orange County and Malibu and Southern California. You know, you've got Palm Desert, Palm Springs, which has this rich history, right? Of all the early celebrities. Bing Crosby. Uh, I mean, you name it. All the Elvis Presley. I mean, they all had... I mean, that's an oasis. You know, that's our Dubai. And and I love it out there. I've spent time down there. San Diego, I've spent time. And, and taking trips up and down the coast to Carmel, to Big Sur. And now we live in Napa Valley, California. Part of Napa County where we live. And it's amazing up here in wine country. It's absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And we've got some of the most amazing weather in the country. You know, you can you can drive two hours and go skiing, snowboarding. You can get to the beach. You can do it all in one day. Yosemite's here. I mean, so much, right? And the reason I say this is that I've spent almost more time, I've spent more of my adult life living in California as a Californian than I did in Texas. And I, I can't do it anymore. I thought for a long time, I told myself, you know, I want to stick it out. I'm young. I've got a lot of fight in me, but I can't fight against this. This is the death knell for California. So they're going to ban gas-powered vehicles. So, you know, you can keep your old gas car, right? But you just won't have any gas stations or gas to fill it up and use it. And the left is celebrating this. California is making history They're proclaiming, yes, California just killed itself. It went from the golden state to, I don't know, I've got to think of a better nickname for it, but the dead state. I mean, look, this didn't just start today, but it just shows you what radical ideologues, how determined they are to destroy this state. I mean, you know, so many companies, billion-dollar companies have left California already, gone to Texas, to other states, taken their businesses, their jobs with them out of California. People are fleeing the state. And, you know, my, my, my first car, I want to explain how this is going to happen, too. I mean, 
people think, oh, they can't do this. this it's happening. It's happening. And there's no coming back from it. You know, so my, so my first car was a diesel car. Well, I guess technically it was my second. My first car was a Volvo, I think, from the late 80s. And I loved that car. I loved it. In fact, if I could find that car and drive it around today, I'd do it. I, that's how much I loved that car. It was a tank. Very safe. I loved it. But, of course, I won't be able to drive that in California much longer. I won't be able to fill it up. And then, anyway, I had this, I had this TDI, turbo diesel Jetta, that I drove later on in high school. And, you know, every time I needed gas, I couldn't find diesel. It was one of those things. I had to go on this treasure hunt. And diesel wasn't at, it isn't at every gas station. Because, one, there aren't as many diesel cars that are being made or driven. And, you know, based on that, there, there's not as much access to diesel gasoline. So what do you think is going to happen when no new gas cars are being manufactured? Well, it's going to become harder and harder. They're going to phase out gas stations. They'll no longer be offering gas. Or it'll be even more of a nightmare than it was for me in high school looking for diesel gasoline. I mean, every car used to be equipped with, what, ashtrays and cigarette lighters? Not anymore. But, you know, remember VHS tapes and players? You can still own your old one, your old VHS player, but you can't get VHS movies anymore. They don't make them anymore. But, but the fundamental difference between what California is doing, and it's unprecedented. They are destroying an entire industry. They are telling car manufacturers that they can no longer produce gas-powered vehicles. They are trying to force a transition on this baseless claim that it's necessary to save planet Earth, save our lives as we know it. And this is not something that takes place in a free country. This is fascism, and we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But this is despotic. You know, I mean, so, you know, with with these other transitions that take place, I mean, they're natural. They're due to capitalism, and they improve our lives. They better our lives. It's about the free market. It's about convenience. It's about what we want. I mean, look, DVDs were better than VHS tapes. Then Blu-rays were better than DVDs, and then streaming replaced that all. You don't even need physical movies anymore. They're, They're all digital. Although, I will tell you, with the internet out today, I couldn't watch anything. I couldn't do anything. But, you know, what they're doing is like, I mean, they're trying to pick a favorite industry. And there is money involved in this, but it's, it's beyond that. It's tyrannical. It's about controlling our movement and rationing via rationing, you know, electricity. Here, here's the amazing thing. So, right, this is what I meant to get to before, before I got into my lovely, beautiful storytelling mode. So a couple days after California announces that they're going to be banning the sale of gas-powered vehicles completely by 2035, well, they also said uh, they're telling California residents to avoid charging their electric vehicles to avoid overwhelming the power grid. (laughs) So so right now, 16%, right? Of all new car sales in California are electric vehicles. And with 16% of the cars being electric vehicles, they're telling current electric vehicle owners not to charge their vehicles over the weekend 
because of hot weather. There's a heat wave coming in California. And where I live, it's going to be, I think, 106, 110 degrees, I think it's going to get to over the Labor Day weekend here in Napa Valley. And by the way, they want to tell me, tell us, you know, keep your thermostat at 78. They call it a voluntar- voluntary energy uh, conservation, whatever. It's not voluntary, uh, and it won't be voluntary when there's no electricity. That's compulsory, and that's the goal. And so this is it for me. I won't be told what kind of car I can drive. I won't be uh, told how I can uh, change my thermostat, especially when it's their fault that there's no electricity. I'm getting out of Dodge. I'm getting out of hell. Venezuela is coming. And the thing is, you cannot build enough windmills and install enough solar panels to provide enough electricity to power the electric vehicles that every Californian is being told they must drive. It, it's not possible. And, you know, whatever. You know, there are a lot of dumb Californians who just, well, they don't understand what awaits them, but I do. I do. You know, this is a Drew University. But they're going to ration electricity. I mean, think about this. So it's going to be, it's a heat wave this weekend. And so every time it's hot, they're going to have to tell us what? You can't charge your, well, what about, what if I have to be somewhere? What if I have to go somewhere? What if I have to get to this? Well, that's too bad. That's too bad. You just, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to charge your vehicle this particular weekend because we say so. Or when everyone's on and driving a quote-unquote electric vehicle and there's no electricity. Well, you know, unfortunately, you people over here aren't going to be able to be mobile this particular week because these people need that electricity. So you get to leave your home this week uh, and you get to leave your home next week. You've got to stay at your home this week. You've got to stay, stay at your home next week. That's where this is going. So we're going to keep having hot summers and there's not going to be electricity available for everyone. And all of this, guess how much impact it's going to have on temperature, affecting temperature? None. None whatsoever. Man-made climate change is the greatest, most diabolical hoax ever invented by man. I mean, let's just look at the recorded temperature data. For just a second, in California's history, hot weather, let's look at Los Angeles, right? Los Angeles, hot weather. It was 110 degrees in Los Angeles on September 1st, 1955. That was the hottest day of the year. It was 109 degrees on September 26th, 1963. 107 on October 10th, 1991. But you know what? We did not break, LA that is, the supposed hottest date until September 6, 2020. That was 111 11 degrees. So last year, two years ago, I guess, September 6, 2020, it was 111 degrees. Now, the year after that, the hottest day in LA was 94 degrees, which was mild compared to 1921 when the hottest day was 101. It was 102 degrees in 1922. So you've got 109 degrees. You've got a decade where it's 94. You've got 113. The temperature has changed always 
Some years you have a hot year. I mean, how is it that man-made climate change just makes an appearance one year and disappears the next? 2020, 111 degrees. But a year later, the hottest day in LA was only 94 degrees. Where is it? Where is it? Every time there's a hot day, a hot weekend, a hot week, it's man-made climate change. Unless you go back in history, even thousands or millions of years ago, and the temperature was much hotter than it is currently, and that was before man's unnatural presence on Earth. So anyway, this is the end of California, and this is going to impact the economy. Who's going to drive to California from states that still have some modicum of freedom left? that are allowed to drive gas-powered vehicles? Who's going to drive to California where they can't fill up their cars? Who's going to drive their gas-powered car to a state that has no gas pumps, that mandates electric vehicles? I mean, you know, these electric vehicle producers, I wonder if they're going to come with an extra, extra long charging cable. One that's so long that it can reach into another adjacent state to plug into their electric, electric grid because there won't be electricity in California. But you know who, who, who supports the climate agenda? You know, it's the same people who said that COVID, the COVID vaccine prevented you from getting COVID. It's the same people who changed the definition of vaccine when the COVID shots didn't work. The same people denying we are in a recession are claiming we're in a climate emergency. That's right. That's right. You see, they deny reality and then fabricate this other fantasy land. So we're not in a recession. No, 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 no. But we are in a climate emergency. And these are the same people who can't pay off their student debt, by the way. The people who want a guaranteed so-called living wage, livable wage. And these people claim they have zero control over their own lives. And yet, they have all the control in the world over the climate. You know, they're all just victims with no control over anything that happens to them except for climate change. That they can change and control. We can't control our own lives, but we can control the weather. These people that can't define a woman. They think gender is a creation of man. They want little kids to mutilate their genitalia. They believe the protection of the innocent unborn is tantamount to a theocracy. You know, the Ten Commandments are biblical, so we can't have that. But, you know, the left is a theocracy. They, they want a theocracy. Their religion is authoritarianism. Their religion is the state. It is amorality. So to say separation of church and state, well... Communism, Marxism, fascism, those are religions that require 100% obedience to the state. Devotion to the state, that's their religion. They censor voices of dissent, they sick the FBI on their political opponents. I'll get into that in a second about their interference in the 2020 election. But just for a little humor, did you hear about Gavin Newsom's in-laws? That's right. So his wife's maiden name is Siebel. So the Siebels, they've got this family trust, the Siebel family trust. Well, Gavin Newsom's in-laws, his wife's parents donated $5,000 
which I believe is the maximum amount. I, I don't, maybe it's not because it's a super PAC, but they donated $5,000 to DeSantis, right? This is the, the arch nemesis of Gavin Newsom, right? Gavin Newsom was running ads in Florida telling them to leave the oppression of Florida and come back to California. And so I want to go to, I want to be invited to Thanksgiving and Christmas with Gavin Newsom and his in-laws. Can you imagine sitting around? They think so highly of their son-in-law that they don't vote for him. They think so highly of their son-in-law that they give money to his sworn enemy, DeSantis. This is great. The Siebels are Republicans. And they probably actually worked for their, their money, you know, unlike Newsom, who's been sucking on the, uh, the teat of both uh, the taxpayer and corruption. So we're going to segue into fascism. I want to talk about Joe Biden. I'll close out with uh, my predictions for his big speech tomorrow, right? It's got a big address coming up. Um, so the FBI interfered in the 2020 election. And they also, well, you know, look, they tried to meddle in 2016 as well. But anyway, I mean, what was Trump, what, 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 what was the, the Trump-Russia collusion narrative? The FBI was involved in that. So the FBI has interfered in two elections. Now, they failed to change the election results in 2016, but they were meddling there. And, and what gets me, do you remember when people alleged that Barack Obama was born in Kenya? That he was disqualified from, from, from running for president, from being president because he wasn't born here? How did the left react to that? They, they called it the birther conspiracy, right? And at some point, Donald Trump mentioned it. You know, drew attention to it like Donald Trump does. And they attacked him. They, they, they essentially said that Trump was disqualified for promoting this conspiracy theory. And yet, what did they do with Donald Trump? They tried to disqualify him in 2016 with their own little conspiracy, the Trump-Russia collusion conspiracy that they invented. And the FBI was involved in that. But it didn't happen. It never happened. But that was an attempt to disqualify Trump, as was everything else with the impeachment hoaxes. Quid pro quo, the insurrection, all of it, all of it, made up, fabricated, conspiracies. But anyway, with 2020, you know, the Democrats, they went out and got, what, dozens, 50, however many it was. I remember seeing a picture at one time with all of their ugly faces on it. And... So they got all these intelligence community people, right? You know, highly credible Democrats, which is an oxymoron. They're, they're not credible. But they got them to pledge that the Biden laptop was Russian disinformation to discredit it. And the FBI actually went to Facebook directly and they told Zuckerberg and his cronies to censor the stories. Now, if we did this in a foreign country, There'd be universal outrage, right? If the CIA planted evidence and ran some clandestine operation to interfere and meddle in some other country's election to get whatever the U.S. FBI-backed candidate in office, you know, say in Ukraine or Russia, you know, that'd be bad. Now, this does happen, but we're not supposed to talk about it 
because it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good at all if it gets out there that the, the Americans are interfering in elections around the world. How would the other countries react to that? Well, that's exactly what they did here. And now Trump is trolling the left. Now he's under this uh, witch hunt investigation accused of trying to overturn the 2020 election and he's calling for a redo. He's doubling down. And I love and he's right. The Democrats overturned the 2020 election. Look, even the other scandals aside, even the other tomfoolery aside, even the other unconstitutional cheating that took place in 2020, the FBI story is enough. The FBI working for the Democratic Party at their behest suppressed the biggest story in modern American history that Joe Biden was being paid via his son by the communist Chinese, that he was selling selling the office of the vice president of the United States to the highest bidder. But they all said it was Russian disinformation. And this is an illegal, illegal assault on the Constitution. Trump's exactly right. Now, there won't be a redo, but there, there should be a redo. And, you know, I, I address this. Well, I'll get into it in a minute. But, you know, so the DOJ, you know, they're, they're now the left's PR firm. They're leaking these photos of the evidence that they took from Mar-a-Lago. And, and, you know, they put out this photo of the seized materials. And, and if you look on the right, <laughs> one box is filled with Time magazine covers. So in their photo to incriminate Trump, right, they've got all these these folders set up and they just have, you know, it's like a Sharpie, top secret. Well, one box is literally, you can see a bunch of Time magazine. So what are they doing with Time? He's, that's so dangerous. I mean, this, this is such a, a joke. This is, this is so embarrassing. It's worse than that, of course. But that these people take themselves seriously, that anybody in this country takes these fools seriously. Meanwhile, they've got Ashley Biden's diary, which alleges that Joe Biden showered inappropriately with his own young daughter. You know, his house should be raided for uh, child pornography, but of course that's not going to happen. And what happened to Garland, right? He, he was saying, oh, you know, I can't, I can't comment on this. It's an ongoing investigation. It would disrupt everything. Okay, so now they're just going to leak this out, leak, 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 leak to the media to try and build their case in front of public opinion. I mean, this is a joke, and they're opposing, of course, you know, the equivalent of some kind of special counsel coming in and monitoring, monitoring this process. Surprise, surprise. So now they stage photos. I can't comment on the investigation, but wink, wink. Hey, here's a bunch of photos we took of all this stuff. In this envelope that, look at, look, Sharpie, Garland's handwriting, top secret. And I don't know what the big deal is anyway. Why don't they just tell us what, what, what they've got? I mean, days afterward, they said, oh, you know, he's got these uh, top secret nuclear documents, classified documents related to nuclear weapons. Okay, well, what else is in there? We can't see the doc, but you told us that's in there. I mean, that's, that's a pretty big deal. So clearly they've established the precedent where, where they can't show us 
the top secret documents, but they can tell us what the documents are about. Just give us a little snippet. Merrick, show us the file, uh, you know, Mark, top, top secret nuclear. But they're doing this to distract. To distract. They don't want us focused going into midterm. This is their midterm strategy. It's to make this about Trump versus Biden round two. They want everyone to ignore the economy, ignore what the Democrats, what, what, what the Democrats have done, and just focus on this newest hoax that's going to fill the media every single day while the media does not cover anything else that the Democrats are doing. They're not going to cover the border crisis, the fentanyl, the deaths. They're not going to cover gas prices. They're not going to cover inflation. They're not going to cover uh, any of these things. They're just going to talk about Trump. 24-7. So anyway, Biden escaped from the basement and he gave a speech in Pennsylvania. It's part of a three-speech stop, right? He's going, he went to Pennsylvania, then Maryland, and then he's going somewhere else. But anyway, he's stumping uh, for, you know, the Democrats, the Democrats. So he was there to stump for Fetterman. Now, Fetterman, you know, he's he's the only Democrat candidate that has more brain damage than, than Joe Biden. And I have a big issue with McConnell attacking the Republicans not too long ago, right? He said the Republican candidates essentially, well, he accused them of being subpar, that we could lose the midterms or, you know, not not take back the Senate because of our subpar candidates. Well, I have an issue with McConnell labeling our candidates subpar when the Democrat candidates are communists and people like Fetterman. Fetterman, by the way, he makes Frankenstein's monster look like Albert Einstein. I'm not kidding. If you put Frankenstein's monster next to Fetterman, that monster would be viewed as a great success. And you know, Fetterman, he does, he has a bunch of Neanderthalic ideas like letting out most of the prison inmates in the country. That's his big idea. And you know, you know, Fetterman did, he suffered a stroke and, um, you know, Fetterman's stroke is what COVID was to Joe Biden. So Fetterman can't go out and debate. He's using that as a, as a crutch, an excuse, right? So, you know, Fetterman had a stroke, so uh, we just forgive everything. Even though he's uh, recently and, and continues to make racist comments, you know, like saying that black people are incapable of getting voter ID or any kind of identification. Oh, you know, that's just the stroke guy, right? But anyway, Biden was in Pennsylvania, and I'm not going to play the audio. You have heard, likely, will continue to hear the, the audio elsewhere. But he was there defending the FBI. He said the attacks on the FBI were sickening. Well, at least they weren't violent. You know, like the FBI attacks against Americans. And here's the guy, Joe Biden, right? His party and himself. You know, they 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 they... they called incessantly to defund the police. That was okay, but calls to defund the FBI are just too much. That's that's sickening. Nobody's burning down cities, by the way. Have you noticed that? I mean, after the FBI raided Trump's Mar-a-Lago home, no burning cities because of, you know, BLM. <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> even after Michael... Whatever is in my voice is because this is the second time I've done the podcast and I almost lost my voice the first time I recorded it that you'll never get to hear. It's just in the ether. 
Let's just hope it was for a reason. I'm going to say something extra brilliant uh, to you all today in the second round. But anyway, even after that Capitol Police officer murdered Ashley Babbitt, the unarmed, you know, female protester there on January 6th, well, we didn't we didn't go burn down cities. And you know what Biden didn't mention or hasn't mentioned? Afghanistan. He's gone through this entire month. His big landmark achievement was, right, he said he was going to get all the troops out of Afghanistan. No mention of it. None at all. Um, all right, I want to preface with something here, I guess, to set the stage, because I'm in the business of, of education, you know. This is Drew University. It's free. You don't even subsidize me. Free tuition, you know? Although I wish I could make every Democrat pay me to do this podcast. You know, like they're making us pay for their degrees in communism from Harvard. Well, you know, Joe Biden and, 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 and the Democrats, they speak about Republicans... You and me, the law-abiding citizen, well, they speak about us like you would speak about murderers and criminals. They issue threats and warnings. So, a few pull quotes from his speech, I think this is still in Pennsylvania. Joe Biden said, let me say this to my MAGA Republican friends in Congress. Don't tell me you support law enforcement if you won't condemn what happened on the 6th. For God's sake, whose side are you on? I mean, I'm so sick of this. I mean, every every Republican has condemned January 6th. They've all said it was a bad idea. Now, we never got any answers. We haven't seen the footage that they're keeping in some vault from the security cameras. But nobody says, oh, January 6th was great. But it wasn't that bad either, so shut up. It was. It pales in comparison to anything the left has done, whether it was BLM, even the 2016 election on Trump's inauguration day. A bunch of, a mob of Hillary Clinton supporters. Well, they lit cars on fire. They injured police officers in D.C., around the country. They broke into buildings did all kinds of damage that was far beyond what happened on January 6th. So give me a break. They didn't condemn that. They celebrated it. And they did not cover it as an insurrection. They said these are people that are upset about the election. Every right. And Hillary Clinton, by the way, still has not said that she lost fair and square. She still claims the Russians interfered and that she had the election stolen from her. So shut up. Anyway, you know, what he's doing in these speeches, by the way, he's trying to rewrite history. He's trying to give the Democratic Party a makeover ahead of the midterm. So he says, in fact, we should be treating responsible gun owners as examples of how every gun owner should behave. Really? Well, I thought, I'm pretty sure in the last year, you've been treating responsible gun owners like potential criminals. You've been trying to steal our guns, pass legislation to take them away. You know, when when open when it, when a concealed carry license, you know that hundred year old law that was unconstitutional in New York, the state of New York, made it impossible for the the New York citizen resident to get a concealed carry. Well, the Supreme Court said it was unconstitutional, and then the Democrats came out and said they were losing sleep over this because now there was going to be a bunch of crime 
crime in New York, you know, a place that has no crime at all, because a bunch of uh, law-abiding American citizens were going to apply for concealed carry. So this is them rewriting it. Right now, they want to be friendly to the Second Amendment. Now they want to pretend that they're not for defunding the police. And uh, he went to Maryland, and and this is where we're going to get into the fascism stuff. So he said, what we're seeing now is either the beginning or the death knell of an extreme MAGA philosophy. It's not just Trump. It's the entire philosophy that underpins the I'm going to say something. It's like semi-fascism. So there you have it. Repeating what uh, Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre has said. We are a bunch of fascists. Trump is a fascist and his supporters are fascists. Oh, semi-fascists. I'm sorry. Now, the media, the media reaction is quite funny because they don't know what to do. Some have no problem with it. Others are saying, well, you know, they're trying to excuse it. They're worried about this language. They're nervous about it. Well, he said semi-fascist. You know, it's not full-blown fascist. But, you know, Joe, Joe Scarborough, he, he, the drunk uh, there on MSNBC, well, he insists that we are full fascist. So he, he thinks that he didn't go far enough, right? No, no, no. I'm, we're not semi-fascists. We're full-blown fascists. <clears throat> well, the Democrats aren't semi-anything. The Democrats are fascists. Marxists, communists, authoritarians, totalitarians. And I don't say that lightly. But anyway, there's Joe Biden, the great unifier, saying that, you know, 70 plus million Americans are semi-fascists. And, you know, he's going to go out tomorrow and he's going to give his little address to America and he's going to re- re- reiterate these, these same things. He's going he's gonna to take the moral high ground, demand the Republicans stop talking bad about the FBI. He's going to project and accuse us of dangerous rhetoric when he's out here calling us fascists. So, you know, his speech is going to be intended to set the tone for the midterms. That's what it's going to be. He's going he's gonna to paint us as this monolithic group of white supremacists. That's what he's going to do. That's what the speech is going to do. And it's going to say, you know, come join the Democrats because we're trying to fix things. And you Republicans out there are terrible. And if you don't come to your senses, you need to be defeated because you're a danger. That's what he's going to. So the great unifier, which was always a lie. He was never a unifier. He's always a dang racist and a fascist. And so anyway, You know, this isn't a new approach, right? The Democrats, right now, they're trying to distract the voters from their failures, from what we're experiencing day in and day out. And the Democrats did steal the 2020 election. The FBI interference alone, as I said, was enough, not to mention the other illegal activity. And and I wrote about this in my book, uh, Uncommon Sense by Drew Allen. You can find it available on Amazon. Anyway... In the book I wrote, I addressed this, you know. Uh, uh, look, I'll get to it. I'll bring this up in a second. I'm not ready to pull the trigger on it. So, but anyway, the Democrats, they don't want to get caught, I guess is my point. You know, so, so to avoid scrutiny, they accuse us of doing what they've done. And so they're calling us fascists because they are fascists. The Nazis did this in Germany. They called the communists Bolsheviks, called them the enemy of Germany. They did this to all their political opponents. And the thing is, the Nazis could never have gained power 
without the Great Depression. Their Great Depression in Europe. And they seized power in the midst of a crisis. The fascist needs a crisis to ascend to power. And so the Nazis blamed the communists and all their other political opponents for the crisis. So they made everyone else look like the evil bad guy, and they presented themselves as the savior of the German people, which is what the Democrats are, are, are positioning themselves to do right now. And they're impatient. They see this as their golden opportunity. If they don't take over now, they'll never have the chance again. But, you know, the difference is the Democrats are actually destroying the country, creating the crises in order to seize power and, and, and pursue this strategy. But what is fascism? It's an authoritarian ideology. Hitler and Mussolini were fascists. And one of the things that is kind of unique, if you will, to fascism is that it's rooted in this nostalgia for the mythical past. So, fascists, of course, you know, they'll, they'll use violence and whatever means necessary to achieve their goals to seize power, and fascists rely upon propaganda. They're expert propagandists. They use propaganda to promote, listen clearly, carefully I should say, they use propaganda to promote anti-liberalism, reject individual rights, reject civil liberties, and reject free enterprise. But as propagandists, they claim they are promoting liberalism. Not liberal democratism, like freedom liberalism. So they claim they're promoting liberalism, standing up for individual rights and civil liberties, that they want free enterprise, that they're pro-capitalists. But they're doing the opposite. And they reject economic principles. Look, Biden changed the definition of recession to avoid admitting that he caused one, that we were in one. They claim that printing more money is going to fix inflation. Printing more money exacerbates inflation. Look what they did. Perfect example of this propaganda. They called that bill the Inflation Reduction Act. Oh, we've got to pass this Inflation Reduction Act to address inflation. And then it gets passed, and they don't even talk about inflation. They admit that it had nothing to do with inflation. All it was about was coercing, forcing this transition, you know, to solar panels and windmills, to shortages of energy in this country. But they told us it was the Inflation Reduction Act. It didn't address inflation at all, but they lied. They disguised their intentions in this name. Who can be against the Inflation Reduction Act? It's, it's diabolical. And the fascists, what else do they do? They exclude certain groups from society and oftentimes through violent means. What did they do with COVID and the vaccines? This was emblematic of fascism, us versus them. They demonized the unvaccinated, ruined their lives. Joe Biden, wishing the unvaccinated a winter of severe illness and death. Telling unvaccinated Americans they weren't American, they weren't patriotic. 
lying, saying that the vaccine prevented the spread of COVID, that you could not contract COVID even if you got the vaccine. And then you got Joe Biden with his two shots and his two boosters. And he's got symptoms and he's taking another Pfizer-produced drug, Paxlovid, to help deal with the symptoms that the booster shots were supposed to lessen. But they created hatred and they divided this country over the the vaccine issue and they lied to do it. They got people fired. They fired people. Firefighters still have not gone back to work in places like Los Angeles. So that's fascism and that's what the Democrats represent. And uh, one of the tenets of fascism is the intrinsic belief in human inequality, right? So fascism promotes the concept of innate inequality and inescapable social hierarchies between groups, right? So blacks are oppressed, Latinos are oppressed, the alphabet mafia is oppressed. They break society down into groups. They tell them they're oppressed and need the Democrats, the fascists, to help them. They tell these groups that their rank in society is determined by identity aspects beyond their control, such as ethnicity, gender, sexuality. That's what the Democrats are doing. That's what fascists do. But fascism, unlike communism, unlike capitalism, unlike conservatism, it doesn't have an underlying philosophy. I'll explain what I mean. It doesn't have a manifesto. There are no rules. So they can change on dime, right? So if you're, if, you're a, if you're a communist, you would speak constantly about the proletariat or this and that, the working class, right? There's kind of a script that you have to abide by because communism, Marxism, right? People have an understanding of what it means, a grasp. So you can't go off, off script as a communist, as a fascist. The only thing that matters is power, seizing power. So they don't have to actually believe in anything. There is no real manifesto. They aren't sincere. So see, the fascists, the Democrats will steal from Marxism, steal from communism, steal from this and that. So, for example, they can say, hey, we've got to defund the police because the police are a bunch of racists. And then Joe Biden can go this week and he can say, hey, no, 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 we are funding police because we believe police are important in our communities. What? Now, the Marxists and communists couldn't do that because they would have had to had a basically a written stance of their position, but they don't have a position. It's just the means, ends justifies the means. And so the Democrats, the fascists, they just spread panic. They justify it, whatever it is, because whatever, it's going to benefit them. And Corrine Jean-Pierre, she said that anyone who voted for Trump is a threat to our democracy, to our freedom, to our rights. This is fascism. And the fascist You know, the propaganda, they use these scapegoats and they demonize others. It was Jews in Nazi Germany. And they, of course, create these victims, right? The different groups they split up and pander to in order to justify any behavior against their enemies. So the FBI can go and raid Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. They can lock up J6 protesters without bail in perpetuity, sentence them for 20 years for taking a selfie in the Capitol. You know, somebody can call the police 
and report a murder in Marjorie Taylor Greene's home and get her swatted, armed SWAT team showing up at her house. They can burn down buildings in the name of social justice and face no consequences. They can justify any behavior against their enemies, and they command a mob. Now, the fascist believes they say that freedom is a threat to others. We've heard that before with COVID, with everything else, right? They censor us. We're not allowed, allowed to speak because our speech is dangerous. So they censor us. They take away our Second Amendment. They kick us off the social media platforms. The FBI goes to, to Facebook and colludes and says, censor this story. And uh, the fascist ties individual self-esteem to the perceived greatness of the group. And they create this perceived uh, need for a national savior. So in Italy, you know, you had the black shirt militia. They were financed by the fascists who attacked the socialists. So they have this militia group that attacks the socialists who are backed and financed by the fascists. And these black shirt militia members, well, they, they conducted raids on the socialist newspaper companies, and they occupied socialist-controlled towns. They threatened to march on Rome. And here's the thing. The fascists are willing and prove that they're willing to use violence, that they will create revolution if need be. And so they get their political opponents, the elites, to even buy in and try and shake their hand and agree with them because they don't want that end. And, uh, you know, Hitler, Hitler learned a lot from Mussolini. He really was a student of Mussolini's. And he knew the importance of propaganda and violence. You have to have both as a fascist. And so what did Hitler do? He gave these impassioned speeches against the Jews, the communists, other political opponents. And what do we have Joe Biden doing? What is Joe Biden going to do later today? He's going to give an impassioned speech against us, against their political opponents. Propaganda, that's what we're going to witness. Uh, And so anyway, even in Germany, you know, the capitalists, they formed alliances with Hitler because they hoped they'd be spared. They feared the wrath. And so, you know, the fascists can't really win without the help of conservative elites. And so these are the rhinos, your Cheneys, your Kinzingers, even your McConnells and some of these folks. This is why the left is losing their minds when these rhinos are losing their primaries. They need these alliances. And many of them, these rhinos, they will work with the fascists, like I said, to avoid revolution. This is what happened in the 2020 election. This is why I was plugging my book a minute ago. This is the point I wanted to make, but I jumped the gun. Uncommon Sense by Drew Allen on Amazon. Okay, so my point was, even as this election was happening, I wrote this book in the midst of the 2020 election and in the, in the fever of it, and that's represented in the book. I mean, it's, it's passionate what I wrote. It's uncensored. But I said, you know, look, the Bushes... Uh, you know, the, the, the rhinos, the, the Mitt Romneys, the, the people who said, no, no, we need to accept this election result, even though we needed an investigation, even though we knew that something had been wrong, even though we knew they cheated. Well, they said, just accept it right now because they feared what the left would do if we challenged the election results. They rushed to rubber stamp that election as fast as they could. Remember they established that phony 
office of the president-elect. That's not a thing. It's never been used before. But they wanted to secure in people's minds that the election was over, that Joe Biden was, was the, was, you know, inhabiting the office of the president-elect. So it was a done deal, but it wasn't. And so these rhinos fearing the damage that the left would do to the country if we questioned the results, if we actually investigated it, if Trump was declared the winner instead, well, they knew it was rigged. But, you know, they feared the violence from the left. And the, the left does have armies. The fascists does, do have armies. They can order their armies to riot and wreak havoc. And it's that fear of violence that causes these weak Republicans to work with them. So anyway, you know, this is the Democrats' midterm strategy. And it's not going to change. It's turning midterms into a second round of Trump versus Biden. And, um, you know, this is who, who Biden was in 2020. He was hiding in his basement, but he's, uh, he's never been a unifier. He's a fascist, and like Hitler, you know, he accuses Trump of being that which he is. Trump supporters of being that which his supporters are. And, you know, the modern-day fascist is the most dangerous of all. The fascism we have in America is more dangerous because, you know, they disguise themselves in the rhetoric of anti-fascism, right? Antifa, anti-fascist. They cloak everything in this progressive terminology. But anyway, uh, you know, it's true. It's true. There is abundant evidence of fascism in America, but it's Joe Biden and the Democratic Party. Fascism is here, but it's not us. It's them. And look, if we want to avoid a fate like Nazi Germany, you know, Mussolini's Italy, well, we need to keep fighting back. We need to keep speaking out. We cannot let fear force us into silence. Otherwise, it's a done deal. The country's gone. That's the difference in America and a Germany, right? I mean, we're not there yet, but we're seeing signs of it. What they did with the raid of Donald Trump's mark, that was a sign to us. That was, they're trying to scare us, hiring the IRS agent. They're doing everything they can to put the pieces in place to intimidate us in the future. But we're not going to let them. All right, this is Drew Allen. God bless you all. And until next time.